3, 2, 1. And we're live. Cool. Uh, so, uh, you were going to tell me about... Um, fuck, I forgot. Five minutes, I forgot. Um, well, that's all right. We're here now. Uh, Welcome to another episode, you salty taffies. I don't yeah, fucking know. I don't know. Um, um, you were going to talk... We were talking about AI. Mm-hmm. We moved from that to uh, the Mark of the Beast. Yeah, we talked about a lot of... Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're starting to talk about something else, but I can't fucking remember for the I, life of me. I don't remember was. at all. Uh, that's fine. Fuck it. Let's talk about construction. God damn it. Yeah. You I'm talk- so sick of it, dude. I was talking to my chiropractor about it. I was like, I've never seen this much construction anywhere else ever. And what they say? He's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So. um, We made the news. We did. That intersection we've been bitching about for the past (laughs) two weeks or so made the news. Which, Which had been being worked on since we started this thing. Almost what? Like, it, we started it in April. Yeah, and the mayor's like, just hold on, it'll get better. Like, yeah. fuck off, dude. It's been going on for six months. Yeah. Like, it just barely got finished, and people are pissed about the outcome. They're saying they're timing the lights. How do you, why do you have to dig up the concrete to do that? Like, seriously? It's, it's so bad, you guys. I don't think you understand how bad that particular intersection is. It's bad. Sometimes it takes 10 minutes just to turn right. That backs up all the way to the highway sometimes, all the way to 215. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. Like, it's bad. It's bad, bad. <laughs> yeah, it backs up through two other lights. I don't get it. But hey, we have the money to do it. Well, apparently we don't, so we have to tax electric vehicles now more so that we have... It's not that we don't have money to do construction. We don't have money to do construction every two fucking weeks because that's what they want to do. They just want to consistently... When they get finished with this I-15 project, which has been going on since 2016, by the way, they're going to start right back at the bottom and start working up again. Um, Actually, it's been going on longer than that. Uh, They started doing the Utah County portion before I joined the military. That is fucking ridiculous. My stepdad, who is no longer my stepdad, um, was working on that when I first met him. That was 10 years ago. Fuck it, dude. Let's run for the mayor of fucking two towns and put bricks in. I'd, dude, I'm a huge proponent of, that, proponent of that. If it takes longer, put fucking bricks in for the roads. Just do it, dude. You don't have to repair them. Look at the... Look at a. Uh, Back Europe. east. Look at Europe or yeah. yeah, back yeah. The cobblestone streets. They're the, good. Yeah. There there was uh streets that I walked on in fucking Ukraine that were made out of stones that were laid fucking four hundred years ago. Yeah. And there was cars they're, driving on them. They're they, fine. They had little ruts in them from how much they've been dro- driven over, but But they all drive mini cars anyway, so they don't film as much. They're not driving eighty miles an hour. Because, yeah. you know... I don't... mean, like, there were asphalt roads and stuff, but in, in Kiev proper, like, 
the actual city of Kiev, there were fucking cobblestone streets that had been laid like four to six hundred years ago. Or maybe we should all just have dune buggies and it should be dirt again. And you just have big off-road vehicles that everyone just... That's just standard. I'm sick of the construction, dude. I fucking hate it. <laughs> it's the worst thing. They, uh, I would rather hit potholes every couple of, you know, 100 meters or so. Like, just little divots than having to sit in... Uh, sometimes it's like, for, I don't know, two miles, it'll be like bumper to bumper just stopped. Yep. And it's because there's construction and somebody pulled over by a cop. And it's like, you fucking asshole. You just made 30,000 people or whatever the fuck is going that way late for work because you had to cut over four lanes. Yep. Yeah. So I remember what you were going to talk about because it's still on the talking points. Some lady wants words removed from the dictionary. Yeah. I couldn't find the article, so I didn't want to get too deep into it just in case it was fake news. But um, supposedly, this lady has 25 or so words that are sexist that she wants to get removed. But they weren't even like sexist words. They were like praise, um, bitch. Okay, that one's a little bit, you know, that's a dog word. But she wants to get these removed from the dictionary because they're offensive. Interesting. And uh, mm, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I do know how I feel about that. Anything censorship, like we all have bad past. Like we've all said shit we don't mean to say. Uh, just to ask Kevin Hart, and you, yeah, you just have to move forward with it. Yeah, and the fact that we're now altering history to make our present day feel better. So I don't know. I I agree. Um, there's no need to change anything. When yeah. it comes to the English language. Right. I mean, we're already like changing it little by little anyway. Um, it's it's only a matter of time before yeet gets added. It's. I think it already is. Yeah. See, bay, that's... bay is added. B-E-A or B-A-E, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And that's just Swag. ridiculous. That's real. Yeah. yeah but that's honestly... As ridiculous as it sounds, that's how the evolution of language works. Yeah, exactly. And and so, um, even though I think you sound like a fucking moron if you talk like that, uh, that's that's how it works. Yes, you know. Yeah, it's like other words too, like cracker. You know what that word means. We've said it like it's used as like a, a white, like yeah, something. Yeah, it's from the person that used to crack the whip. Yeah, so that's not like something that you should, like people that call white people that doesn't have the same meaning as you think it does. I think the the way you get rid of racism, just stop talking about it. Morgan Freeman pointed it, like painted it so good. He's like, you want to get rid of racism? Stop talking about it. Just stop talking about it. Yeah. Like, I, I have several black friends. I don't even think about their race, like at all. Right. And uh, now there's articles coming out saying, uh, there was an article that said, hey, white people, by you trying to not be racist is low-key racist. So now... So trying to do the right thing is doing the wrong thing. Yeah, now. trying too hard not to be racist is now racist. And it's, I'm just sitting here like, dude, 
Fucking stop. San Francisco, fuck off. I'm so sick of you cocks deciding what the rest of the world gets to think. Because your little, your little, uh, quote unquote journalists with the green hair or whatever the fuck. Grow some balls, get to a shooting range, and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, really, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. We've gotten to a point. We just need it's another fucking war. Fucking embarrassing. We need another fucking war. Because there's, there's a, there is a, uh, what is it? What's that quote? I will never be a proponent for a war, but I am prepared for it. Um, what is it? Uh, strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times. Strong times make. Oh, uh, we uh, hard times make. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak, weak men, men create, create hard, hard times. times. Hard times create strong men. This is where we're at right now. We uh, weak men create hard times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. And this is a cycle. It's it's a cycle. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's. You know who's not weak though? South Korea. Watch them pop out of nowhere, and they're like, "Fuck you!" And they'll just come after. Look, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. Someone's gonna come back ten years from now, and just me mimicking that voice is gonna get me in trouble. Yep. Um. But fuck it. We're here. We're here, baby. Um. But if we just have too many things to focus domestically about because we don't have something that unifies us, like, I don't know, surviving against something bad. Yeah, it's true. Oh, so I started watching. Um, I don't have access to American Horror Story on a, a regular basis anymore because I don't have cable anymore. But I started watching the season that they just put out on Netflix, mm-hmm. season eight. It's a it's about um, a nuclear apocalypse. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, I think you I think you would really like this one. Okay, I'll check that out. Um, it I I just finished the first episode, and it's like um, everyone is like going about their day to day lives, and they uh, get this alert that's like. There's an incoming nuclear missile to Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, everyone's like dismissing it. They're like, oh, it's like the Hawaii thing. Yeah. And then a news anchor comes on and is like, no, we have 40 minutes to survive. And uh, this group, I forget what the group's name, they show up and they like take two people and they're like, you submitted your... um, dna for an ancestry background check we've de- deemed you worthy to survive oh jesus christ and they just fucking take them from their families it's kind of like fallout 4 at the very beginning yeah yeah exactly like you served your country you get a bunker spot yeah yep and uh and they're like i'm i'm surviving for what purpose to rebuild humanity you have the genetic material that we want to rebuild humanity Damn. And it's like this faceless organization that no one knew existed until this exact moment. Jesus. Yeah, that sounds up my alley. Yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucking crazy. So um, I'm excited to watch the rest of this. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh I don't know why I brought that up, to be honest. Because we were know. talking about Endgame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the war. and. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. Black I, Mirror p- plays into that, too. That one's worth checking out as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, like I said, I will never be a proponent for war, having been there yep. and done that. But I'm prepared for it. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we I think even a a depression, which a lot of people are saying we're very close to, is also a uniting factor. Financial hard times still make strong men. That's um, true. Because, you know, people have to rely on each other to make it through. Yes. And yes. um Yeah, I mean that's 100% true. I mean, like the depression created Al Capone. Yeah, and I—I I mean, all of those guys, you know, all the great mobsters. I mean, if you can call them great, but I think I would probably turn to crime in in a depression. To be honest with you, yeah, it'd be it'd be the way to guarantee the salvation for the people around you. And in the end, that's what it's about for me. Whatever I have to do to provide, it's gonna happen. Like, gotta do it. I've had a conversation with my wife about this. Wow primarily uh usually around the time they release some sort of like apocalyptic scenario movie yeah um back when especially back when i had the titan as a as a vehicle Mm -hmm. i was like you know i'm just gonna pick you up we're gonna load up all of my single friends in my fucking truck that are like close by they're all getting guns, and I will run over men, women, and children to get out of the fucking city. <laughs> I, I support that, for sure. <laughs> and she's like, that's horrible. And I'm like, it's not about being good or bad at that point. It's about keeping you alive. Yeah, but we've never experienced that, so it's so far beyond, or at least domestically. Like, it's like, different. Yeah, yeah, we haven't experienced it domestically. And so, like, when I went to war, I was never engaged in direct a direct firefight with the enemy. Yeah. I did get mortared a few times. Um, they did shoot at us a few times, but, uh, like hearing snapping branches. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like, so, so that's a little different, but you go through that and then you talk to people that have lived in countries where it's literally been like, Day to day, a me or them situation. There was a guy that I um, worked with in the Navy. He was in my company the last like year I was in. Uh, uh, he FMF Corman like me, and uh, he was like, you know, he grew up in Haiti. Wow! And he was like, people will kill each other with machetes over food. That's crazy. In Haiti. And so, like, you hear that from another person and you've been through like a few experiences where you're, you feel like you're going to die yeah, and like getting to the mental point where you're like, okay, I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. to make sure I get back to my family. You get into a different point in your head and you're like, okay, whatever it fucking takes. Yeah. And, um, when I reached that point, that was like that that was the end of it man like uh when i 
when I thought I was going to be abducted by somebody in Afghanistan while I was trying to treat patients. And I was like, my mind went from treating patients to like, I'm going to stab this guy's eyes out and cut his throat. Yeah. I was like, okay. um, Adrenaline and cortisol are very effective. And well, and it's, it's not just that it was like, Knowing some people think they have that in them. Yeah. Versus knowing you have that in you. Yeah. Um, my only thought was I'm not going to be beheaded on international television. Right. And, and so I was like, if I have to behead somebody right now in order for that not to happen to me, I'll do it. Well, and if you think about it, it comes down to training, right? And when that cortisol releases in the brain, the, f- the fight or flight, like, immediately it goes back to the training. And That's it's, true. It's instinctual. You, yeah, you get the adrenaline dump. Your fine motor skills and cognitive skills go out the window. You have to be able to react on yeah. your training. And, and that's true to an extent. Like, that is absolutely true, but it's also a mindset. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I could go out on the street and interview 100 people. Like, would you be willing to kill somebody if you had to? And I would wager to say, this is just me speculating. This isn't an actual poll that was taken. But I would wager to say 60 to 70% of people, say if I interviewed 100 people, 60 to 70 of them would say yes. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, probably half of that number would actually do it. I think a lot of it too, like you went to the military training and from what we've learned through various research is the first thing that you experience, or at least a lot of people experience from going through basic training is fear. And the basic way to break down a person to a point of submission and retraining them is to incite fear. Um, and that's the, it's it's getting to a point of fear, breaking somebody down and building them up to have instinctual ability to make fight or flight decisions instinctually. Yeah, and you know when I think back on my basic training, um, and even my uh, my um, FMTB field medic training, uh, you know I don't remember any exact moments of. Uh, well, I remember exact moments of fear, but I don't remember feeling fear all of the time. Right. Uh, in basic training, I'm pretty sure I felt fear more of the time than I did during FMTV. But, um, but your tolerance for fear probably escalated, right? Like after you got out of basic, you were like acclimated to what to expect in the military in general. Yeah, and and it wasn't as bad as basic. Yeah. Um, but, like, I just remember being afraid of, like, fucking up in basic. Not really any, like, in particular, like, oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, sort of fear. Um, in field medic training battalion, I experienced a little bit of fear here and there around, like, certain tasks we were given. Um I drove my truck to the schoolhouse to check out one day, and uh, that was apparently uh, 
well, they they flat out stated that was a no-no, and I just broke the rule because I was like, fuck that, that's a stupid rule. Um, and then they're like, you can't go home. And I was like, um, but I own a house. Like, yeah. You're <laughs> and they they like arrested me to the barracks for Jesus the weekend. Jesus Christ! Um, so, you're like, wait, 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 please. <laughs> no, <laughs> I literally like had a house five minutes from the front gate of the base, and they were like, "Well, you drove your truck to the fucking schoolhouse to check out, so you can't go." And I was like. You're like, um, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't and, know that. And they had me surrender my car keys. And I was, like, confined to the barracks for the weekend. Um, I told my wife what happened, and she came on the base and visited me. Uh, from then on, I just started parking around the corner right from the schoolhouse. So, joke's on you, Staff Sergeant Borge. Um <laughs> I don't know if you made it to Gunny or not, but I hope you did. You were a good guy. But, yeah, I just started parking at the gym that was right next to the schoolhouse instead. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You're welcome. Um, anyway, uh, the, the fear in uh, FMTB is... Mostly from having to have to redo something that's just completely miserable. Yeah. Um, uh, we had an obstacle course that ran 200 yards uphill with water spraying down from the top of the hill, making it just completely muddy. Mm -hmm. And they were like throwing smoke grenades and tear gas at us the whole time. Um, and it's like, if you didn't complete that obstacle course and do everything that you were supposed to do to treat casualties along the way, yeah, like you had to basically just go right back into it at the end. You had to sprint back down the hill and start it over. I think, uh, so fear is a very powerful thing i absolutely I, I think i compare it to dogs like when you train a dog a lot of people don't yell at their dogs and it it results in at least at an early age like there's there's tolerance for being a puppy and like being really small but when you get to a certain age yeah if you don't instill that fear like my dog's the most loving like little he's so sweet and he's the nicest dog but he also responds to being yelled at like he knows when he's in trouble and i yeah. think if you don't instill that in somebody early on the fear is a very powerful training tactic and that that's why hunter is the way he is yeah i didn't have hunter for almost the first year of his life um i i had nothing to do with that first year of like training him how to be a good dog for inside the house mm -hmm. his previous owners got him Walked the back door and put food out at, like every three days. Yep. Um, and and water maybe once every other day. Yeah. You know, like he was barely clinging to life when I got him, and so he did. He did whatever the fuck he wanted, mm -hmm. and he did what he had to. Yeah. Um, we'd constantly find rabbit carcasses around, um, 
that area, and it was because he was hunting for food. Yeah. Um. So, Hunter literally uh, just didn't have anyone take care of him and train him properly before I got him, and it took me four months after getting him. Um, he was about seven, six or seven months old at this point. It took me an additional four months just to potty train him. Wow. Yeah. To like train him to like go outside to the bathroom. Right. And then, um, yeah, I mean, Hunter, I love Hunter to death, man. And I'm glad we have him, but he's got a lot of issues he'll never get over because of the way he was treated early on like that. Um, he's a super anxious dog. Very core sense of, I mean, it's even psychologically building on the neural network that you plant the foundation and it builds on that. And once you build a certain amount, there's no going back. Yeah, Yeah, it's there. And so, um, Hunter's a very anxious animal. Yeah. Um, very worried about being abandoned. Yeah. If you pet him just for a second, let go, you see it start in his eyes. Like, Oh yeah. You see it build. Yep. And, um, you know, like for instance, I was sleeping downstairs this morning. I was sleeping in a little bit because I didn't have to take that state test until like 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Liz Liz woke up before me. She got ready. She left for work. Uh, Hunter followed her upstairs. She fed Hunter and Nibbler. Uh, Smiley stayed downstairs with me. And... Um, I I woke up maybe an hour and a half after Liz left. Yeah. Came upstairs, and he had gotten into a closet where we keep a bunch of the dog stuff at and shredded everything. Yeah. And I, I can, with 90% certainty, say that that was mostly anxiety. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because Uzi has the same thing, but it was the opposite for him. Because I spent a good four or five months with him 24-7 because I was unemployed. And then he got used to that. And then I started leaving for eight hours a day. Right. And it's you see the anxiety in, in the same way. I mean, if I lock him in that room and he has access to the bathroom, he'll tear up the tissues in there. <laughs> like in the, in the freaking bathroom. He'll just tear up. He'll get in the trash and freaking tear up stuff. But it's, yeah. it's interesting because it's total opposite it's an opposite trigger. Yeah. 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 So yeah, like Hunter didn't have the stability and then he was introduced to the stability and now he freaks out when it's not there. Yeah. And um Uzi had the stability and then it was removed from him. Yeah. So. I, I think the only thing I would change with him is the consistency and the laziness on my part for the potty train training part is that I would just be like, You're fine, you're fine. And I wouldn't take him out every hour. There was this girl that I knew that was like, you need to take him out every hour on the hour. Yeah. And I was like, ah, well, he's fine now. And personality-wise, I'm glad he turned out the way he did. But the potty training thing was an issue for probably the first year year of his life. And even now, he knows where he's supposed to go. And, and it just comes down to me. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a frequently... Um, I don't tell you about it that much, but there's frequently I, I do catch him going to the bathroom by the back door. Uh, Never peed in the house, though, right? 
Uh, only when I scared him one time. Mm. I like. I was actually upset with Hunter and yelling at Hunter. Oh, really? <laughs> and Uzi was just like, "Oh God, somebody's angry!" And he like piddled on the floor. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but uh, he, he, I usually when I find a mess, um, from Uzi, it's it's by the back door and it's i usually catch him in the act because he disappears for a minute and i'm like where's Hmm. he at yeah and so i go looking for him and he's by the back door popping a squat and it's like he's just trying to get outside to use the bathroom so i don't get that upset about it's like at least he's like he knows where he's he knows where he's supposed to go he used to have a bell that he would ring like he would like oh there he is yeah and see nibbler scratches the door Mm. but he doesn't do that because he doesn't i he does he's not an aggressive he's not he's not like that but i i think it's also because you trained him with a bell he's very timid with the bell too he would just like tap it with his nose like you just faintly hear ding like barely yeah and nibbler's like doesn't give a fuck he'll like scratch at the door for like three minutes yeah. straight and look look straight at you like what the fuck is wrong with you why aren't you letting me outside i kind of trained i had to train him to be quiet because we lived in an apartment complex so anytime he'd get riled up i'd you know like hey that's n- no and uh it translated in, into him being a very quiet dog he doesn't bark unless he's provoked by other dogs for the most part um yeah and well the mailman. He barks at the mailman here. Yeah. Now he's gotten like more acclimated to being allowed to be loud. But if he, and he would bark every once in a while. If somebody like delivered a pizza, he would just go and then do the. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he barks and howls here for sure. It's Cause no one stops him because he, yeah. Cause it's okay. Right. My neighbors aren't like, they might hear it, but it's going to be super faint. Yeah. And it's not going to bother them. Luckily, I never had like, neighbors that complained. I just tried to be con- considerate. Yeah. Well, my neighbors, like, if they're outside of their homes, they might hear them. But if they're trying to sleep inside their house, they're not going to hear them if yeah. he's barking inside of my, of my house. Right. So, it, like, yeah. that and the my, my dogs add to it. And... He adds to my dogs, and it's just this... Endless loop. Yeah. One of them starts going, and all of them start going, and then Smiley realizes eventually that something's going on, and he start, starts going, and you calm the rest of them down, and Smiley's still over in the corner barking because... At the corner. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Uh, Smiley. Yeah. Um... So what's this uh, hydrogen cyanide thing you got pulled up? Here? So do you know what hydrogen cyanide is? Yeah. Okay. So of that's I do. I, I was so I'm glad for that because we're finding that all of the vaping deaths are related to tainted juice for THC marijuana, not okay. nicotine. It has now come out definitively that the nicotine vape juice is not the cause for these deaths. It is bootleg marijuana vaping cartridges that have been laced with hydrogen cyanide. So what is hydrogen cyanide and how does that affect the human body? So hydrogen cyanide um, was a chemical agent 
originally created around uh, the time that World War I was taking place. There was a lot of biochemical warfare um, happening around that time that is not allowed to happen anymore. And um, like mustard gas. Um, International law. What? International law. Yeah. Something ruled by NATO. Yeah. Because like mustard gas uh, is, is fucking horrible. Inhumane. Yeah. Like, uh, so not only do you get blisters on your skin from mustard gas, you get them on your lungs. Oof. And then you drown in your own fluids. Yeah. That's not good. Um, cyanide is a different type of choking agent. Uh there's two types of cyanide. There's like uh, um, hydrogen cyanide, and then there's uh, cyanide uh, chloride. I think. Okay. One one's a salt um, powder form, like the pills. Okay. Hydrogen cyanide is a gas. Okay. Um, and what that does is it has a really strong affinity for hemoglobin, which is the oxygen carrying component of your blood. Okay. And so if someone gets exposed to cyanide, uh, they have about three minutes to reverse the effects um, before it becomes lethal. And how do they do that? Uh, It's usually an auto injector. People that work around cyanide chemicals, uh, mostly in electronics nowadays. Because okay. it's used to, like, because it can kill anything. Mm-hmm. So it's used to kill, like, uh, like bacteria and other particles in, like, a clean sluice for people that are working on, like, microchips and shit. Gotcha. But uh, they they have to carry these um, inje- auto-injectors with them that... Uh, uh, you you inject into the legs, and um, that's supposed to help counteract it. But it's still not a foolproof thing. It's that is to keep you alive long enough to get to a hospital to get actual treatment for the cyanide poisoning. Yeah. Um, the quickest cyanide death on record, I think, is about three minutes. Okay. Uh. For most people, that's around the right amount of time. Uh, for I mean, it must have been in really low qual- quantities. It's probably the combustion of some chemical that was put in there. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was probably super low quantities for it just to be barely showing up now. Um, but Apparently it was a batch. So it's brought in, and this is a... So it was one batch of product that was made with it. Yes, and most of them are imported from California. Um, and a big reason, if we don't have any nic- nicotine-based vape deaths and we do have THC vape deaths, there's one thing you can look to definitively in that one is illegal. Therefore, you're going to have the risk of tainted, yeah. tainted juices. 100%. Um, uh, so yeah, so cyanide basically, um, interacts with the enzymes in your, in your blood and the hemoglobin of your blood. And so people think hemoglobin are red blood cells and that's not correct. Hemoglobin is, uh, like an enzyme 
slash chemical on the surface of the blood cell that allows it to carry oxygen. And it, it binds to that. Okay. It binds to it so strong that no oxygen can get through. Gotcha. And, um, and that's what creates the toxic effects. And if you're to s- truly suffocate someone to death, mm-hmm. it takes at least like a minute and a half for brain death to start to occur. Okay. So like someone can lose consciousness within 30 seconds, but their brain isn't going to start to die until about the one minute to one minute 30. That's where I think it's funny in Hollywood where they like choke someone out and they stop moving and it's just, they're dead just then. So, so, uh, that depends on the type of choke as well. So if you're talking about like the, uh, the rear naked choke yes, that you're that's thinking of in MMA. Yeah. That should take 8 to 12 seconds to knock someone out. Okay. It's a blood choke. It's not an air choke. Gotcha. Okay? So like putting a pillow in front of someone's mouth. It's or... an air yeah. obstruction. This is a blood obstruction. You're cutting off circulation to the brain. Okay. So in, in actuality, you can hold that. And knock someone out in about 12 to 15 seconds max. Okay. In order to kill them that way, you'd have to hold it for a much longer. Um, if you were to do that and just let them go, they're like, their body's still trying to breathe. They're like, so they're going to start breathing when you let them go. And the oxygen perfusion is going to continue. They've just lost basic consciousness. Yes. Yes. Um, now like the, the smothering or the Hollywood choke, which is like the two hands around the neck. That's an air choke that takes like two to three minutes to render someone unconscious and probably double to triple that to actually kill somebody. Wow. Um, so I mean, like, and I'm not trying to tell people how to kill other people here. I want to make that perfectly clear. I'm just saying what I've been taught throughout the years through my military and medical training, um, that there, there is a difference. And so you have the Hollywood choke, two hands around the neck, uh, there's a lot more struggling, um, and it takes longer for the person to lose consciousness. Uh, the the MMA rear naked choke that people think of, where it's like the triangle around the head, yeah, chin getting pushed in to the elbow sort of deal, yeah. Um, that's relatively quick loss of consciousness because it, it it's stopping circulation. Yeah. So essentially. You're like this, right? Yes. Yep. Um, so what you do is you you come around that person and you you get their neck as deep as you can into that crease of your elbow. Yep. Hold it there and then flex. The forearm pit to the neck. Yeah. So so when you flex, those tendons of the forearm and the bicep pinch off the carotid arteries on both sides. They lose oxygen to the brain. They pass out. And you can throw them over the edge like Hitman. 
Yeah. And eliminate I, I'm, them. I am. I want to be one hundred percent clear about hey, it's, this. It's up to you what you do with this information. We're not held responsible. Yes, I. I want to be one hundred percent clear about that. I am just telling you what I know based off of my medical and military training. Okay. I can also tell you which races pass out faster. I'm not going to. But the fact of the matter is, um, in my personal opinion, okay, these cops that held people in those chokeholds, yeah, what's classified as a chokehold, which is the rear naked choke, mm-hmm. uh, that have wound up killing people, that is homicide. Yeah, because of the length you'd have to do. Yes. Absolutely. The length of time you would have to hold that hold in order to kill somebody would be like, it would be homicide. Yeah. Because a person, a normal individual under a properly held choke like that should be unconscious in under 15 seconds. Yeah. Period. Now, do you think the adrenaline would play a factor in the superhuman strength of absolutely just crushing somebody's neck? Well, but the thing is, is you're not crushing. If you if you implement it right, you're, all you're doing is pinching off the carotid arteries. And I right. can show that to you right now if you want. I mean, I don't want to. I've almost passed out from doing having someone do that to me before. I'll do it for like two seconds. Yeah. Is that okay? All right. Okay. So I'm going to stop talking for a minute. So you come here. Mm-hmm. Come underneath. Push. You feel that? Yeah. You can feel your eyes start to bulge. Yeah, and my first instinct, and I had an MMA coach as well, and that's a big thing with facial hair as well, is to just dig in and tuck your chin as much as possible. Yeah, but if someone gets you in that off guard, and they're able to sink in right up underneath that jawbone, like... You can feel how quick and effective that would be, and so... Um, adrenaline kicking in, I think would cause it to be more effective and make the person lose consciousness quicker. Yeah. But you're not going to crush the airway that way because Mm -hmm. of where it's set at, right? Yeah. You might do some bruising to it, but you're not going to crush it. The Hollywood-style uh, choke is more likely to crush an airway. It's crazy. I heard that your jaw is capable of slicing through fingers like butter. Um, like the strength of it? Yeah. Like if you didn't have that intuition in your head that says like, oh, shit, I'm going to like... Like if you bite your finger and you try to bite hard... You're not fully biting hard because as, you have as hard as you can, right? Yeah. Because you have like this mental blockage. It's like a proprioception where your body's saying like, if you bite harder, it's fucking done. Yeah, and that that's true. It's like you have the ability, like a baby carrot, to just bite off a finger like that. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Uh, and I I believe that. 
I mean, animals are capable of it. We're animals. Yeah. Uh, Just a little more civilized. Yeah. Slightly. Lines. Lines. The ability to stand in a line is what separates us from the animals. Well, maybe that just means we're more controllable. So maybe that means, like, dogs do what the fuck they want sometimes. Humans are like, if you give a shit, there's a guy that I follow that says the power of not giving a shit is the most important power of all times because that means no one can have anything on you. It's like the whole idea of power structural hierarchy. If you don't give a shit, it doesn't matter. That's true. Um, like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm if going someone's going to gonna try to blackmail you, if you don't care if the information gets out or not, then... It was like Whitney Cummings, the comedian. Yeah. Uh, she did, a, like, an Instagram story. She was smoking weed or whatever. She did an Instagram story, and I guess her nipple accidentally leaked out. Somebody took a screenshot of it, and she realized she did it, and she deleted it. Someone blackmailed her and said, hey, if you don't give me this money, I'm going to post this all over the place. So she went on her Twitter and posted the picture and was like, apparently someone wants to blackmail me for my nipple. Here you go. Just have it. <laughs> nice. It's the it's the factor of not give a shit. Yeah, and now that person just feels like a fucking idiot. Exactly. Exactly. It's, yep. a, it's a good move. That was a good move from a very attractive comedian. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, if it's out there, then it's out there and they have nothing on you. Exactly. That's why if I were to ever run for a public office, I would literally just like first oh, no. interaction, I would just start listing shit. Yep. From my past that I think might come up as part of a scandal. I pulled out my Anything. dick in 02. <laughs> I did... <laughs> In 04, yeah. I did this and... Yeah, just anything that I think might be a scandal. Even if I can't remember the time that it happened, I would be like, yeah, I've, I've smoked weed before or whatever. The oh, I don't think be. anyone cares about that anymore. But if you get deeper into it, it's like, yeah, I watched this. I've looked up this. If you look up my my web history, I did look up this. And I'll say at this at that time, it was fucking awesome. But now I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think we need more transparency like that. If a politician came out, like legit came out, like if fucking Bernie Sanders or whoever came out and was like, back in 1995, I paid a hooker for sex. I'd be like, yes. Yeah. Okay, I am voting for you. In 1992, I may have tried methamphetamines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why Obama was like so much, is because Clinton came out like, I did not inhale. And Obama was like, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I inhaled uh, several times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the person who I'm going to vote for. Because yeah. they're a fuck, like, even if they're not going to be that way in office... They're giving across the perception that they're going to be a fucking open book. Yes. For you. Yeah. And that they're not trying to deceive the nation. Well, that's what everyone's bagging on Andrew Yang for being a racist because he said, I'm an Asian, so I have a lot of doctor friends. And they're like, that's racist. He's like, but I'm Asian. Like, I can say that. Yeah. And everybody jumped on him for it. Yeah. Well... It's it's just the world we live in right now. Yeah. We don't have a war going on. Well, technically we do. We do, but we don't have a war that's domestically affecting us. 
Yeah. You can I still mean, go down to your local Walmart and buy your ho-hos. Yeah. We, like, we've, we've been at war. There, there was a thing I saw the other day that was just pictures of things that have occurred in the last, like, 16 years. And it's like, we've been at war this long. <laughs> and one of them was like Britney's meltdown in 2008 where she shaved her head and was breaking car windows. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. No, we have this... people signing up for the military that were children, babies of... The 9-11 first responders. I'll say, actually, I'll take that back. We are in a war right now. A, a very, that does affect us domestically. Um, after September 11, 2001, this country changed dramatically. And it has stayed that way ever since. The Patriot Act has domestically changed this this country. And the Patriot Act is what enables all of these technology companies to do what they're doing. So yeah. I, I do take that back. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that it's affected us. That, that's true. Um, insurgency war, insurgency warfare compared to what warfare is in, in the history books, what we think of war is so fucking different because you don't know who the enemy is. Guerrilla warfare is bad. Yeah. 100%. Um, and it's part of the reason why we were able to win the American revolution. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this, um, as far as like the pre September 11th versus post September 11th. Okay. Like, cause I was old enough to remember that vividly. Yeah. Um, there's a good family friend of mine. Uh, his name's Earl David Reed. Fucking hilarious dude. He's a comedian. Look him up. He is hilarious. Like, I can't stress this enough. He's, he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he, he came into town for a few weeks one time. He stayed at my house that my single mom at the time had like we had a spare bedroom or he was staying on our couch or something i can't quite remember that detail but he he stayed with us i was just under 10 years old and he was like playing football with us out at the park and whatnot and uh i remember walking him all the way to the gate Right. As a, as like a 9, 10-year-old. TSA was not a like, thing. Like, they let us, they did the little security check. They allowed us to walk through the airport up to the gate and, like, say goodbye to him at the gate. What was the security point. check like at that point? Um, It was like you walked through the metal detector, uh, boarding pass or not you walked through the metal detector you were allowed if it didn't go off you were allowed to be in the airport you know what there were no random checks or no like you didn't have to show that you had a boarding pass in your id it yeah. was like you walk through the metal detector no beep you're good yep and and so you you would walk through and then the big line of people was at whatever gate for whatever flight you were boarding yeah 
Um, that's unheard of now to be able to like, so, so for all you youngsters out there that go back and watch like the original Home Alone, uh, where they're like able to sprint through the fucking airport. <laughs> yeah. To catch their flight. You get shot now doing that shit. Yeah. So that, that was totally a thing. That was a thing that was allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I remember, um, I went to Paris in, fuck, what was it? 2008, I believe. I, I, Tra- did a transfer through Charles de Gaulle International, and I got off of my plane, had to go through Paris Customs, or um, French Customs, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had to go through two more security checks before I boarded my next plane. Damn. And one of them... They stopped me because of my water bottle. So, I mean, like, back in the 90s, you could fucking run through the airport no problem. With a gallon jug. Yeah. The Parisians, when I went through in 2008, had fucking armed soldiers in the goddamn airport, dude. Like, not just police officers, fucking, like actual soldiers with m4s patrolling I, th- I thought it was weird that you could uh you couldn't take liquids through tsa but once you got past that you could buy water at any of their concession stands inside so i th- i think that's a more of a money making thing yeah um well that's what i think the whole thing is <laughs> I, I don't. I, I really do think it, it started with a security premise. Mm. Make sure people don't have box cutters, blades, guns, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But um, was it that or is it to instill fear into... Because like we talked both. about before, fear is very powerful. And after 9-11, I saw a very... And, and I was very young, but I did see the gradual decline of unity within the country. The sense of patriotism with everyone having a flag on the front of their house being... The only reason mine's not up is because I can't fucking keep it up. The wind keeps tearing <laughs> But, I mean, if you look at a lot of people, and there's a, a good chunk of the country that view the flag as a racist symbol now. Which and is ridiculous. It, it's bizarre to me because po- pre-9-11, it was not like that. Correct. Like, at all. Correct. And... Um, um, yeah, it's it's a very strange thing, uh, and we're still in that very same war. It's true. Uh, I had a middle school teacher because I was in middle school at the time. Um, I was in eighth grade, and uh, his name was Mister Johnson. He looked straight at our class. He was my homeroom teacher. He looked straight at our whole class and was like. This is a war that some of you might be fighting in. Yeah. And I was like, looking back in my head at the time, and I was like, okay, the longest war on record is Vietnam. It lasted this long. Uh, nah, there's no way. Yeah. 
And here we are. Fucking seven years later, eight years later, where was I? Yep. Now, oh. 16, no, fuck, probably 17 years, 17, 18 years post 9-11, we're still in the same conflict. Yeah. There's an entire generation of people that have grown up in the United States having been at war. Right, and they paint it different flavors, Al-Qaeda, you have ISIS, you have... The Taliban. The Taliban, they're all the same from the same trigger and that's why i say post post 2001 is a different type of war that we haven't really seen before oh absolutely because insurgency war i mean the 13 hours that was what the Viet Cong were like but we were just like we're fucking done and we pulled out 13 hours painted it really really good in the sense that Honestly, that is a a film to me that is like the most realistic of what it feels like to be in a country like that. It's on edge because your your enemy looks like anyone else over there. Yeah, you don't know. Yes, and uh, that's that's a and I mean it's gonna sound fucking horrible, but when I was over there, I was even concerned about our fucking translators. Yeah. Our interpreters that we were working with. I was like, when's this guy going to fucking blow himself up while he's working with me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and we played volleyball with these guys. We set up a fucking volleyball net with like um, some concertina wire. Uh, Our volleyball net was made out of uh, a metal pole, a HESCO barrier, and the top of the net mark was uh, fucking barbed wire. (laughs) but these guys were out there playing volleyball with us and it's like i was still worried about like okay when are they gonna try to take us out you know yeah i watched the uh that thing we were talking about the gene editing thing what's it um uh fuck starts with a c uh crisper crisper they went around to american citizens and asked them what genes should they edit in soldiers? And this pissed me off so badly. They asked this New Yorker guy, and he's like, they should inject these soldiers with brains so that they can question the people that they're fighting for. And I'm sitting here like... He's, they're fighting for you. Right. And at the same time, as an enlisted soldier, you're not thinking about the people who got in the war. You're thinking about you and the people around you. You yeah, can't see not, far past that. It is it, it is not mine to reason why, but to do or die. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes left on the ability to record for this. I want you to pull up uh, the charge of the light brigade. Um, click on the actual poem if you can. So, I'm going to read this to you guys. And this is honestly 100% what is what it is like to be an enlisted soldier. 
half a league, half a league, half a league onward. All in the valley of death rode the six hundred. Forward the light brigade. Charge for the guns, he said. Into the valley of death rode the six hundred. Forward the light brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not through the soldier, not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. Theirs is not to make reply. Theirs is not to reason why. Theirs is but to do or die. Into the valley of death rode the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon in front of them volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, boldly they rode and well, into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell, rode the six hundred. Flashed their sabers bare, flashed as they turned in air, sabering the gunners there, charging an army wall. All the world wondered, plunged into the battery smoke, right through the line they broke. Cossack and Russian reeled from the saber stroke, shattered and sundered. Then they rode back, but not the six hundred. Cannon to the right of them, cannon to the left of them, cannon behind them, volleyed and thundered. Stormed at with shot and shell, while horse and hero fell. They that had fought so well came through the jaws of death back from the mouth of hell. All that was left of them, left of six hundred. When can glory fade? A wild charge they made. All the world wondered. Honor the charge they made. Honor the light brigade. Noble six hundred. So, um, that poem is hinted at in uh, Saving Private Ryan. They're, like, walking through a field or something. I can't remember, but people are, like, bitching about their current mission. And uh, one guy says, like, it's not ours to reason why but to do or die. Um, Honestly, as an enlisted soldier, that's what it's like. You're not supposed to question. You're just supposed to do. Yeah. So... um. I don't know that that poem is just really moving to me because I've had friends die because of that mentality. Yes. Um, and man. I think that's important because yes, a lot of people believe that all of these soldiers fight for the causes of these politicians that send them into war. And that's just not absolutely the case yeah. at all. Right. I know several, several soldiers that, despise the war on terrorism that yeah. absolutely fucking hate it, but they did their job because that's what they signed up to do. Yeah. And, and that's what that whole poem is about. It's not, you're not to question. You're just to do. And you're there to make sure the guy or girl to the right and left of you make it back. And yeah. they're there for the same thing. Yeah. And that's all you like, that's it, dude. That's it. That's it. Very similar to law enforcement, right? Like a lot of these guys may not like the laws they're enforcing, but they signed up to do a job. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that it, it's that way with a lot of uh, people that wind up having to arrest someone for carrying weed on them. 
Like, they're just like, I don't give a shit about this. Yes. But. It's the law. Yeah. The law of the land. They they signed up to help with hostage situations and, you know, like bank robberies and shit like that. They don't want to be enforcing these fucking petty traffic laws and weed laws and stuff. But. I do think the fact that no one's gone to jail for getting us into the Middle East is embarrassing yeah um well okay so i'm gonna say something a little different because i i remember vividly i remember very vividly 9-11 we needed to fight them okay mm -hmm. i watched people jump out of those fucking towers yeah. Well, I think the 3,500 that died in that building is one thing. And I think their families are, I think that's the most, that's the worst thing that could have possibly happened. But there's now that we've had time to analyze and see, and there's been declassified documents. I believe in my opinion that we knew it was going to happen and politicians let it happen. Very similar to Pearl Harbor. Okay, well, that 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 may be fine, um, but uh, it, it, it's—I it, don't think it is fine because what what happened is because the people that died in those not only did the people die in that building, but we sent over thousands and thousands of troops that had to die for a cause that these neocons to extract money. That's not cool with me at all. So can I can I possibly pull up another perspective of it? Please do. Say say you're uh we're running over, but that's fine. Um say say you're uh right, they knew about it. Okay? Mm -hmm. And they allowed it to happen. Um I don't feel like everyone that would have been in the know allowed it to happen because of money. Not everyone. I think that some of them saw the proposed threat from Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden and how much more it could grow and how much worse it could get. Yeah. And they were like, we will allow this to happen. I agree. In order to spark an action against them, so we can go eliminate them. Yeah, which, I 100% agree. Which is what I feel like happened with Japan in World War II. It was like, okay, we see this happening. We know they moved their entire fleet, and now we can't find them. They're probably coming straight at us. But. We will allow whatever they do to happen so we have an ex excuse to get involved and bring them to heal. Do you know what the most mass casualties in World War II was? Iwo Jima. It was the Chinese. The Japanese invaded parts of China, decapitated, ran over bodies of Chinese, mutilated Chinese, um... And the reason yeah, why, Manchurian China. That's the reason why 
Japan bombed us in the first place was Eisenhower lobbied Washington to put sanctions on oil of Japan and they were starving to death. So it was either attack the United States who was sanctioning their oil or uh, starve to death and they decided to attack. And uh, And I know that, um, I know that, okay? But I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the idea behind the fact that people probably did know about this, that it was going to happen, and if they didn't know for sure, they had a good idea. And they're like, well, if we don't get something to rally the American people behind this ideal... Yeah, this needs like that. We need to intervene. They won't support it. Peep, like it's going to be much worse later on. Like if we thwart, thwart this one thing, it's going to be worse later on, yeah. and we will have squandered an opportunity to suppress this. Yeah. Before it got out of hand. Yeah. And um, I think it was that way with the Japanese. And I think it was that way with Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Okay. Um, I don't know, dude. Like, I... Uh, I will show you... I want to show you one document out after we're done with the podcast. Because when I saw this, it fucked, it fucked me up for a while. And it made me question a lot of things. And Because, I, I mean, like, I, I refuse to believe that... Because I signed up for two reasons. Yeah. First of all... My brother was telling me I couldn't do what he was doing. Right. And I was like, fuck you. I can do exactly <laughs> what you're doing, and I can do it better. And the second part was is I, I vividly remember that day. And um, it's... I don't have any hatred for Muslims in particular. Um, but... It was like, you know, I I um, didn't think I could sign up for the military because I had some health issues with when I was younger, but they had resolved. And uh, my brother was like, well, you can't do what I'm doing. And I was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do exactly what you're doing. And so I, I literally walked in and signed up for the exact same job he had. <laughs> Uh, and you did it. Yeah, and I did it. Um, even, in, like, you say, even in previous podcasts, you say maybe not as long, but you fucking did it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, uh, but a large part of that was also the fact that, like, when I was, um, like, questioning whether or not I should sign up and commit myself to that, um just remembering those planes and watching people jump out of the buildings on live television. And like, I, I don't know, man, it, it's going to choke me up if I can. No, I get that. Continue to talk about it much longer, but I was in second grade. I, I remember it. Yeah. I was um, in eighth. I was in eighth grade. Yeah. Um, I just remember the precedent set by the mood and the tone, and that's what stuck with me. And it was playing over and over and over and over again. I, I, 
I I don't know, man. It 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 hit me really different. <laughs> um, we we were in eighth grade. Um, I walked into my history class. I saw the second plane hit the second tower at that time. Um, and, uh, was just like, what the fuck? And, um, you know, uh, the schools left the TVs on in the classrooms for roughly half of the day before they were like, okay, nothing else is developing here. Let's try to move on with our lives. Mm -hmm. And every class I went to after that, nothing took place. It was just like the teachers were just like trying to get the kids to feel um, safe again. I went to algebra. I went to fucking like, I forget what it was, but it was like a tech class where we had to build like little bridges out of balsa wood and shit. Guys, the teacher's name was Mr. Young. Um, I went to computer science, and every single teacher was just like scrapped their whole fucking lesson plan for the day and uh, tried to just talk to the students and make them feel better. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a hardcore fucking thing, dude. Um, and well, that comes back to again. No matter what you believe happened that day, fear is a powerful thing, mm-hmm. and it creates a new baseline of accepting different ideology or different thinking. It it does, and because um, that's a. I mean, there's nothing like that that's happened, especially since. And maybe it has since, but we're just so used to it now so there's been numerous um terrorist attacks on civilians um even leading up to that point okay uh um there was the tokyo subway um gas okay uh there was uh i think it was like a nightclub or a bar in some country in southeast asia that got firebombed Okay. Uh, I I mean, there's been plenty of like little, little and large hits against random civilian populations, but I think September 11th really like just because of first of all location, like who it happened to. Yeah. The like ivory tower of the world so to speak yeah um really opened up people's eyes to it but since september of 11th we've had the uh there was that guy that ran over a bunch of people on bastille day in france right there was a guy in canada that attacked a bunch of people at a war memorial yeah um the la shootings by um radicalized muslims if you want to believe the news reports the you know like it's just there has been stuff that's happened since it may have not been to the scale of like 
3,000 people lost, but there have been attacks. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and we can get into it more in the next podcast too, but world's a fucked up place. Yep. To say the least. And, uh. So might as well drink. Might Eat, as drink, well. and be merry because have tomorrow you might be in Utah. Exactly. <laughs> so. This has been another episode of the Cheap Shot Discussions. Uh, I mean, we're, we're pretty uh, consistent with this at this point. We've yeah. gotten quite a few episodes, so send in your submissions. We've given you the spiel. We've pleaded with you. If you're not going to do it, don't do it, but please do it. Discussions at gmail.com. Honestly, if you send us anything at this point, um, I'll send you... An autographed copy of a picture of my penis. There you go. Yeah. There so, you go. I, I, I mean, or, or whatever else. I don't know. Um, maybe we should start trying to hand out prizes. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. This has been another episode of Cheap Shot Discussions signing off.